Yes, let me add my welcome also. Uh, for those of you who have been traveling and have returned, we're glad, certainly always glad to have you back. Uh, we missed you over the weekend uh, and through the holidays, but we're glad you have returned and now are with us. Um, this morning, we are starting a new year. Uh, of course, we have started the new year, but this is our first Sunday uh, together as a church family, and we're certainly uh, going to try to acknowledge that this morning. But we have a few seconds as we begin our service this morning for spiritual preparation. Our spiritual preparation, of course, is confession of sins, uh, relaxing, settling our souls and our minds, our thoughts, our attitudes, so that we are prepared to worship. We have just a few seconds for spiritual preparation, uh, closing our eyes, bowing our heads, and then I'll open us in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful once more for your uh, extraordinary love towards us. We're thankful for the way you have blessed us and provide for us. We're thankful that you are the gift giver, the great, gracious gift giver. And we're thankful, Father, for the, the many gifts that you have given us. Uh, we very often are overwhelmed by our own circumstances, uh, not realizing that you knew of those circumstances in eternity past and have provided for us. Help us, Father, to remain uh, committed and firm in our understanding of uh, our life in you. Help us this morning as we study the Word of God and worship you in service and other means that we will truly honor you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn your Bibles to Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 4. We're starting a new year. And I think we should be determined to make it an excellent one. Now, we may not have much say in what's going to happen with the government. And some of us may not have a lot to say with what's happening in our, the business in which we work. But we can have an impact in our own spiritual lives. And that's probably the most powerful Impact that we can possibly have. And this morning, for this message, we are going to focus on being spiritually renewed. And this is important for us. Um, the Apostle Paul, and we'll see this in our passage, uh, did, did not believe that he had arrived, that he was as spiritually mature, advanced, as he possibly could be, that there were steps, levels, or uh, advancements that he could make. And if the Apostle Paul had that understanding in his spiritual life, then we should not be smug about our spiritual lives. We should not have the sense that I'm cruising along doing exceedingly well in my spiritual life. Uh, that's a, precisely when we are in danger. And the Apostle Paul in Ephesians, in Ephesians is writing to believers 
believers in a church that he had probably founded, pretty sure that he did, and he had taught. He had spoken, uh, taught, and lived in Ephesians for many years. Therefore, these were not uninformed believers. They were not beginning believers. They were not baby. Now, there's always the chance that some were still immature because they had not grown. But they have, they've had every opportunity to do so. And Paul, speaking to them, writing to them, in Ephesians 4, says, This I say, therefore, or we could always begin it with, therefore, this I say. And when Paul says, I say, he's emphasizing something. It's important. Uh, it's almost like uh, someone grabbing you by the lapels and say, listen to this. You know, this is what we would say as a real lapel grabber. This I say, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind. What is Paul saying? He Again, he's speaking to Gentiles. And these are members of a congregation, we could say students, that Paul has taught for many years. And he's now saying to them, listen, stop walking, stop living your lives like Gentiles who are unbelievers. What's happening with these believers? What's happening is that they either were saved and they progressed and then retrogressed, or they've really never progressed in the spiritual life. Or maybe they've arrived at a level and they think they're doing just fine in their spiritual lives, but in reality, they're pretty much doing what Unbelievers do. They may know what's right, but they're not living the spiritual life. Oh, they're giving, you know, getting a little enough of it to feel spiritual, to think they are. But what's really happening? The apostle says you're really not much different than the other Gentiles, the other believers that are around you. And I'm telling you, you need to be aware of this. Having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God. Believers? How can they have their minds, their thinking here darkened? And how can they be alienated? Because they've become complacent in the spiritual life. I'm fine. Everybody else has got a problem, but I'm fine. And we've heard many times, and I mentioned this on New Year's Eve, that we receive the leaders that we deserve. Notice the we is the first person plural. 
and it's inclusive. It's not that we get the leaders that everybody else deserves, certainly not me. And we've also heard that as goes the believer, so goes the nation. What believers? All those other people who are stumbling around and failing in the Christian life? No. It's a nation of believers. And I think that we all need to step back at the beginning of a new year and say, what are my priorities? Really, what are my priorities? Do I really care about what's happening today in my spiritual life? Or am I more concerned about my job, more concerned about uh, pleasure, more concerned about uh, activities, more concerned about my future, more concerned about my 401k? All of which can be lumped up in a little bag underneath your spiritual life. You don't need to worry about it. Now, you need to spend time with it, maybe. But your real worry and your real concern is your spiritual life. And let God bless you in all of those areas or in the areas where He plans to bless you, where you need to be blessed. And we live in a nation that is truly spiraling out of control. And I know that some of you are saying, what? Oh, what's what's happening? Everything's fine in my life. Well, admit, admittedly, the news media is not going to tell you this. You're probably going to need to do a little research on your part. But Christianity is the most persecuted, quote-unquote, religion in the world today. And it is that way in the United States as well. Now you might say, Persecuted? Yes, persecuted. We have Iraqi Christians in the United States who are being deported back to Iraq because well, they just don't fit the definition of immigrants for this administration. But we are paying to import Muslims who disagree with our Constitution and way of life. And we are very concerned about the possible problems that the Muslims might be having in Iraq, persecution in and around Syria, But the butchery that's occurring to Christians is, well, that's life in their country. Iraq used to be one of the flourishing areas of Christianity. No longer. No longer. In reality, Christians were reasonably protected 
by Saddam Hussein and the same by Assad in Syria but under the Islamic State which is Islamic by the way Christians are just executed houses marked when they come into a new area marked for execution therefore the United States which is really to have an impact in the world through missionary outreach but we can't have missionary outreach if the nations where we're trying to send missionaries are so turbulent and violent that they can't be missionaries there and I'm not a prophet I'm not even a son of a prophet but this next year is going to be a year that is beyond extraordinary for the United States I think we're going to see uh, many actions from the president and this government that will exceed what we've seen in the past but what does that mean for us as believers you say well not much I can do yes there is and it's through our spiritual life we have an impact in this nation through our spiritual lives and I think I've gotten through two verses here just a moment let me see if I can press on Ephesians 4 having their understanding darkened verse 18 being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their hearts and Satan is that's his business to blind us to fool us to deceive us who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness now this is a description of the unbeliever those Gentiles but we're not supposed to be in that we're not even supposed to be thought to be there there's supposed to be a clear distinction between the unbeliever and the believer and sometimes it's difficult to tell sometimes it's just difficult to tell between believers and unbelievers the evidence is not there it's been said if you were accused of being a believer would there be enough evidence there to convict you and sometimes we have to say well maybe our neighbors our friends might have a little bit of difficulty with that testifying on our behalf and we need to make sure that that's not the case although that is not the only reason our testimony our witness but it's also our own personal spiritual growth and it's important for us to realize that we're living in a nation that needs us and it doesn't just need us to be Christians in name only every now and then we'll be watching a sporting event and the team is struggling or losing 
And one of the sports commentators will say, you know, it's time that somebody on that team is going to have to step up and do something extraordinary. Somebody's going to have to take it on their shoulders and carry the team. Now, it very well may be that everybody on the team is more or less doing their jobs. But they need more. And that may very well be what it's like in the United States right now. We need Christians, some at least, to say, all right, I can step up my game. I can have a greater impact. There are some things in my life that are not so critical that I can't begin to focus a little bit more on my spiritual life. The things that are truly important. Have I forgotten the things that are truly important? Are there things in my life that have become really placeholders that I really think I need to do? Part of my routine. I can't miss this TV show every night or whatever it is. And therefore, when it comes time to maybe reading the Word of God or memorizing Scripture or prayer life, and honestly, those three areas of most Christians' lives are in shambles. They really are. And prayer is so important. Twenty. But have you not so learned Christ? Have you not so learned Christ? And Paul could have said, I taught you this. I taught you, the apostle, to the Gentiles. I taught you Christ. But have you not so learned Christ? If indeed you have heard of him, if, first class condition, Paul says, and I don't know that he has tongue in cheek here, but first class condition here, and oh, by the way, I'll stipulate that you have. We'll just designate that you have heard of the Lord Jesus Christ here, and I believe it's a reference to hearing and believing. Yes, you've heard of the Lord Jesus Christ, and yes, you've believed upon him. He is your Savior. He is your example. But you have not so learned Christ. If indeed you have heard Him, heard of Him, we could say, and have been taught in Him or about Him. I think it's dative of sphere here. You've been taught about Him. You know Him. He's your Savior, and you understand the divine viewpoint that he was teaching and that I, the Apostle Paul, have taught you and have been taught about him as the truth is in Christ. And then Paul uses three infinitives here. Three infinitives that sort of outline the rest of this. The first one is, purpose clause here, in order that you put off concerning your former conduct. We're going to get a little bit of a lesson here. And if you want to envision how I think Paul's approaching this, he's approaching it with someone 
who maybe has been working all day. Let's say you've been outside mowing the, the grass in the heat of the day and or working in the garden or doing something else that you enjoy or don't enjoy, whatever. But you're, quote-unquote, dirty, perspired, soiled. And you come in, and yes, you your clothes are soiled, dirty. And you're going to take them off, and you're going to put on new clothes. Well, there's sort of a three-step process. Taking the clothes off, cleaning, cleansing, and then putting on. And those are the three steps that I think the Apostle Paul uses here. So the first one, in order that you put off concerning your former conduct, your manner of life, your conduct of life. In other words, life prior to salvation. Those things were supposed to be taken off, done away with. The old man... And this, I think, is appositional. It's not really talking about the sin nature here, but it's the former conduct that you had. Sin nature certainly involved, but putting off, taking off, taking like a garment, concerning your former life, the old man, that the way you used to live, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. In other words there's no benefit here. Things that um, begin to decay continue to do so. Uh, so this is not the old sin nature because the old sin nature doesn't get corrupt. It's already corrupt. But your life, it's not advancing. And if you're not advancing, you are retrogressing. You are slipping and sliding. According to the deceitful, according to deceitful lusts, 23, in order that, our second infinitive, in order that you might be renewed, passive voice, you receive the action. But we have to do something. We have to be willing and we have to work ourselves in our spiritual life. At least in the three, in a couple areas. Study of the Word of God. Prayer. So that then God the Holy Spirit can work in your life, renewing your life. In order that you be renewed in the Spirit. And the Spirit here, Numa, is not capitalized, and I think they're correct. The editors have it right. This is your attitude. Renewed in your attitude. Renewed in your thinking. Renewed in your approach to your spiritual life. Renewed in your attitude, your thinking of your mind, of what you think. So the attitude of, of what you're thinking. 24, and in order that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So those three steps that we have there, and this is very closely aligned to Romans 12, 1 and 2, where Paul says there needs to be a renovation of our minds. And it's not a one-time renovation. It's a continual renovation so that we are progressing, continually progressing, continually moving forward in, in the Christian life. We're not trying to get to a certain level and then hold. No, we want to continue to advance. I think that this is critical. This is very important for us. Um, so the Ephesians here, Paul's 
admonition to the, to the Ephesians were believers who'd spent time under his ministry and they'd spent time and received teaching from others as well not just the Apostle Paul Paul is writing this letter from his jail cell in Rome it's one of the prison epistles and Paul has been in, Eph in Ephesus which is, was in Turkey it's one of the, uh, the churches that he started there and he's been traveling on his uh, missions, mission journeys, but he's heard of them. And he knows that they need to be uh, admonished here in their Christian life. So Paul is saying to them that even though that they're believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, there needs to be more of a change in their lives. They need to have this renewing. And this is, again, important for every believer in the Lord Jesus Christ to be constantly doing self-examination. Self-examination. And very often at the end of the year, that's one, that one of the times when we do this. We, we, we spend time examining maybe our portfolio or maybe where we are in the job or trying to determine whether there are other things that need to be adjusted or renewed. And we need to do the same thing in our spiritual lives. We need to say, is this really where I need to be in my Christian life? Am I truly uh, pleasing the Lord as He works in me to will and to do His good pleasure? Is He able to do that? Am I giving Him an opportunity through the reading of the Word of God, through my prayer life, through working with others, being a, a help to others? Am I really advancing in God's plan for my life? You know, you may, you very well may be satisfied with your plan, but how does that line up with God's plan? And I can just tell you that the United States needs us. The United States needs us. It needs a lot of us. But we may not be able to have much of an impact on others, although we can pray for them and be an encouragement to them and be a good witness. But there's one individual where you can have a great impact, and that's in your own life. We often say, we can't change other people. We can try. But the people that we can really change, the person we can really change is ourselves. Many believers spend so much time being judgmental of others that they never see the log in their own eye. And of course, this is one of the things that the Lord Jesus Christ said to the Pharisees. You know, you got that... You see that speck in somebody else's eye, but you forget the log, the beam that's in your own eye. And, and you know, that's not to say that others have problems. We pray for their problems. We're an encouragement to them, but we're not judgmental. But we should really do some hard examination of ourselves. We all have problems. But we all need to make the advances in our own spiritual lives. Therefore, at the beginning of this year, 
Let's get a fresh start. Let's renew. Let's follow the Apostle Paul's guidance here. We may have worked quite a while in this skin. Let's be prepared to maybe shed it, get cleaned up, put on a fresh set of duds, and really have an impact this year in our spiritual lives. Now, on, I guess it was Friday evening, Thursday evening, Thursday evening, um, for our new, our new Year's Eve uh, celebration, I made some recommendations. And those who are here, uh, I'm going to review those. Uh, maybe even picking up a few other passages and a couple recommendations. But there's some things that we can do. And I think it's important for us to do these things. I may have even skipped my opening slide here. Yes, being renewed in the new year. Spent a lot of time on that title. Being renewed in the new year. And of course, I'm speaking spiritually here. And this is important. We do it in every other area of our life. I was listening to the radio um, in the past couple days, and a lot of the financial advisors are on there looking back, turning back and looking at the previous year. How did this happen? How did this happen? What went wrong here? What was fine here? Well, it wasn't a pretty year. Uh, In some areas, yes, but in most areas, not so much. Now, I know that there are uh, spots and places and room for optimism here and there. But a lot of things that people would wish had done better didn't do better. So we need to do the same thing in our spiritual lives. Renewing our spiritual lives. First of all, I mentioned scripture reading, and I think that this is important. A lot of people say, well, you know, I can't read the Bible. It doesn't it's it's it just doesn't do me any good to read the Bible. Uh, but it is important for us to do so. It's important for us to have a plan. Um, we can have people stand up and talk to us right now about having a plan for investment. It's important to understand that there is a process here. And if you have a plan, and I mentioned some things on Thursday night, but there are many, many people have tried this, and I, I, I failed to bring a, uh, an email that I received from, from Pastor Dean. Uh, he had received an email from someone in his congregation that talked about reading the Bible. And she said, that the first time she tried to read through her Bible was hard. Kind of hard, but she wanted to do it. She at least wanted to say that she had done it. And when she finished, she was glad she did. And she realized that the first time through was probably going to be hard. But maybe the next time through, not so much so, because now she was going to be recognizing things that she'd already read. And she said that that was true. And after reading it now several times, there's a lot of places in the Bible that she has found uh, question marks that she can begin to erase. 
not quite so questionable. And she's kind of developed her own way of, of reading through the Bible, of ways that she can read it, uh, such as following maybe chronologically and then picking up other books as she goes. Uh, one of the reading plans, called the Victory Reading Plan, starts in January. Good place to start. And it's interesting, on day one, we start with Psalm 1. And this plan says that it's important each day that you read, you should mix in a psalm or a proverb because those are encouraging. They're encouraging passages for us for the most part. I, used, I like to call that a spiritual, it's a, it's a soul massage. Psalms and Proverbs, soul massage. So, uh, day one, Psalm 1, Matthew 1, Genesis 1 and 2. Therefore, you can see that it's going to be a sort of a broad front approach. There are others who like to jump right into Genesis and <coughs> haul it right through. That's probably one of the more difficult ways to do it, I will admit. Um, I think that uh, if you do some research, you can find some remarkably uh, well-planned reading programs that might fit you. Um, in Schaefer Theological Seminary, we have a professor by the name of Ray Mondragon. Uh, if you just look at his name, it looks like Mondragon. But uh, I think he's Greek. Mondragon. He has devised a reading plan. And he says, by reading 25 chapters, he says about 100 minutes per week, you can read through the entire Bible before the end of November. These are goals for each week for each week reading on Saturdays. So what he does is he says, here's the week. I'm not going to sign something on each day because you may not be able to do it each day. Although I think it's important to try to read every day. But he just gives you a week-long assignment, so to speak. And he starts out Proverbs 1. Not Psalm 1, but Proverbs 1. So he gets you into Proverbs. That same week, so this is our first week of the year, is Genesis 1 through 15. So you're reading Proverbs 1, uh, Genesis 1 through 15, Psalms 1 through 3, the Gospels, one through Matthew 1 through 3, and then also Romans 1 through 3. So there's a varying plan here. And one of the things that I like about this, and I just didn't get it on the board, is that he has it all laid out on one page for the entire year. And therefore, you can sort of see your progress as you're going. You can also look ahead, maybe. And if you have a little additional time, you can read a little quicker in some areas. Or you might say, you know, I'm going to read Amos, the book of Amos, because we're going to be studying that in the Noon Hour Bible class. It's going to start in January. I haven't been able to confirm exactly when it is because I have to wait for the seminary to get back in session here. But as soon as we know, we're going to be back in studying those epistles. But, by the way, come up more than happy to share with this with you, maybe even post it on the on our website for you so you can have that. But reading the Word of God is important. And as I said, very often as you read through the Word of God, you'll say, I, this is not making a lot of sense to me. 
put a little question mark there, make a notation on a sheet of paper and say, uh, I'm going to come back to this at another time. I may even do some uh, extra reading. Um, one of the things that I like to do as I'm reading through, and I have to admit that I kind of start at the beginning and uh, just read through, is I'll say, I'm going to spend this next week sort of a supercharger by reading in a book that um, doesn't get a lot of attention, like Jeremiah. Uh, now, it's a, that's a huge book, but maybe do a little background reading in it before you begin to find out more about the book, the historical background before you start. Find out about Jeremiah. Or maybe it's a smaller book. You want to take on uh, Zephaniah or take on Habakkuk. But do the background reading. A lot of our study Bibles have uh, intros. Uh, and then there's others. There are some uh, excellent uh, Bible teachers that have published some uh, excellent commentaries. I mentioned, I think, on uh, Thursday night, the Bible Knowledge Commentary. It's a two-volume set. That's really uh, excellent. It was produced by Dallas Theological Seminary uh, probably 20 or 30 years ago, back when they were strongly and truly dispensational, and the departments were uh, were committed to the... Uh, uh, the literal text of scripture um, John Walvard and um, Zuck forgotten his first name uh, off the top of my head are the editors of that book of those of that so I, I recommend that to you um, reading your Bible uh, let's turn very quickly in our text to second Timothy second Timothy well let's go to first Timothy 4 first. 1 Timothy 4. 1 Timothy 4, the Apostle Paul speaking to one of his young protégés. 1 Timothy 4, beginning in verse 12. 1 Timothy 4. Let no one despise your youth, but be an example to the believers in word, in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, in purity till I, I come, give attention to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine, to instruction is a better word there. And so here's Paul telling uh, young Timothy, read, read the Word of God, spend time in the Word of God. Uh, it was important for him to do that because then he was going to be involved in exhortation, in teaching. Second uh, Timothy 3 16, passage we all probably know by heart. 2 Timothy 3.16 All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And at the time, the, the, the Scripture that they had was the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament. And so, Paul is saying here, all Scripture, all of the Old Testament is God-breathed, is given by inspiration of God. And it is beneficial. It's profitable for doctrine, or we could say for teaching, for instruction, for reproof. Here is for testing yourself, for rebuke. It rebukes us as we read. For, instru or for correction, and we might even say there, is for uh, our own improvement for instruction in righteousness, in order that the man of God 
may be complete. See, this completes us. Reading the Word of God is part of a system of completion, maturity, advancement. Thoroughly furnished, we might say, thoroughly uh, equipped, thoroughly prepared for every good work. So in order to be prepared, we need to have the Word of God in our souls. And that, again, that doesn't mean that every part of Scripture is going to have the same impact on you as others will. But all Scripture is important. All of it's beneficial. There are pieces of it that are going to make a remarkable difference in your life. Secondly, memorizing Scripture. I, I think that this is important. One of the things it does is it causes you to spend time in the Word of God even when you may not just be reading it. You may put, a, put it on a note card and carry it with you. And you can pull it out when you're on the metro or maybe riding with someone or out walking or exercising or whatever the case might be if you're waiting some time to learn another scripture verse. Uh, and many of those scripture verses will come when you're reading the Word of God. You'll be reading it and say, that's a verse that I would like to claim for my own and have it securely in my soul so I can recall it when I need to have it. And that is important. And I've, of course, put, uh, you can put almost all the Psalms 119 on the board here from the memorization of Scripture. But uh, it's a wonderful mental exercise as well. Uh, for those of us, as we grow a little older, uh, we're often told that our minds need exercise. Well, this is excellent mental exercise. And uh, you'll be surprised. Sometimes people say, well, I can't memorize Scripture. You can memorize everything else, but for some reason, Scripture is a problem. No. Scripture is not that hard to memorize. Particularly if you read it, several times, read it several times, work on it by phrases, write it down in phrases, and then you can have a mental image of it. In your mind, you can just almost read it because you have that picture in your mind of how you've written it down. And it's important to have that in your mind when problems strike, adversity, you have it. It's a calming influence. Not only that, but some of your more favorite ones will remind you, oh, that's right, what are my thoughts supposed to be today? Well, they're supposed to be true and noble and just and pure and loving. And can I list any of my thoughts under any one of those today? And the answer may be, maybe not. Scripture memorization, prayer. I happen to remember, uh, mention that... Um, over the holidays, I had a chance to watch The War Room. Uh, it's a movie, for those of you who may not have seen it. Um, do recommend it. Uh, there's a, you know, one or two things, as in all movies, that we might not say the same way. And there may be some uh, difficulties here and there. But for the most part, it's solid. And one of the, the beautiful things about this is that here was a family that essentially was doing great. Really uh, very successful. And even when asked, how's your marriage? Oh, it's, it's okay. Well, it wasn't really okay. Uh, and that doesn't mean 
that all marriages are a disaster and therefore uh, they need uh, we need to investigate of other people's marriage. That's not what's all going on in this movie. But it means that marriages are the involvement of two old sin natures. And there's going to be problems. There's going to be difficulties. And we need to be praying for each other. Husband praying for wife. Wife praying for husband. But we also need to be praying for other couples. And that's pretty much what was happening here. With an older woman who had gone through a marriage. And in case you haven't seen it, I won't try to ruin it for you. But there were difficulties in her her life and there and that marriage. And it didn't end her marriage didn't end the way she wanted it to. And now she was committed to helping other women. And what did she do? She found a place. She realized that her prayer life was not going to be real successful unless she found a place where she could do did nothing else. So she wasn't distracted there. And in the movie, her protege tries to emulate her by still leaving the distractions there. And she eventually had to clean out her closet. Uh, But it's a remarkable story of how then she, they would pray specific things. And come to find out that her husband was not as faithful as he should be. Well, what did she do? She committed to prayer. She didn't accuse him. She didn't confront him. She just committed to prayer. But it was a demonstration of how important prayer can be in our lives. In our lives and in the lives of others and in the lives of our nation, prayer does change things we can have an impact through prayer. And you'll notice I said an expanded prayer life. Because some people say, well, I pray. We can pray a lot more than we do. You know, some of us are very uh, pleased that we can get through our prayer list really quickly. I have a prayer list and I can zip through it. Well, it's not how fast you pray It's how effective you are in praying. You might want to say, I spent an hour today in prayer. I spent two hours today in prayer. And you say, I haven't got two hours spent in prayer. Well, maybe you should. We all have time to pray. The Lord Jesus Christ set that example. He would get up early in the morning and go away from everybody and spend hours in prayer with the Father. And if he needs to pray, we need to pray. Some other things I mentioned. Spiritual service. Serving others. Uh, This is... first. Well, I guess I should say the first thing is our own personal spiritual service. We have a spiritual gift. God has given us a spiritual gift. And um, for those who have been in the Word of God for uh, many years many, many, many years who say, well, you know, I'm really not certain what my spiritual gift is. Uh, That's a sad, sad commentary. Because the writer of Hebrews says 
to those people that were in his congregation. He said, you should be teachers by now. And here I am feeding you, still feeding you milk. You should be having an impact with others around you. We should... And you might say, well, how do you know what your spiritual gift is? Well, maybe I should change it and say, you might say, I'm not sure what my spiritual gift is because I'm doing so much. Well, it could be over here, it could be here, it could be here, it could be here. Maybe I've got four or five. Now you say, this guy's nuts. Yeah, well, you're in good company in thinking so. But you have a spiritual gift. You do have a spiritual gift. Not just because I say so, but you do. And that's where you can really have an impact. And if you know what that is, and you're leaning into it, because that's the facility that you have in your spiritual life. Now, that doesn't mean you don't, therefore. You say, well, you know, my spiritual gift really isn't giving. Well, it doesn't mean you don't give. It just means that may not be your spiritual gift. And you say, well, my spiritual gift's not teaching. That doesn't mean you never teach. It just may be that you don't have a facility that somebody else does. But you still teach. Matter of fact, you should. Well, my spiritual gift really isn't helps because I'm pretty impatient. Well, get some patience. Change. Be patient. Be helpful. When someone helps you when you're in need, you're very grateful. Be a blessing to someone else. Spiritual service here. Uh, 2 Corinthians 9.10 2 Corinthians 9.10 I'm throwing in there for you. All these others are great too. 2 Corinthians 9.10 It's not where I wanted to be. Um, But while you're there, let me go on to grace giving. And then you're right in the correct passage. Grace giving. Um, This is an area where most of us struggle because we have things where we sort of have priorities for our giving. You know, there are things where we really enjoy spending our money. It's fun. It's enjoyable. It's recreation. It's pleasure. And therefore, when it comes to giving to the Lord, and this, this, I'm not haranguing anybody for giving because there are some who very, who right now may not have jobs and they are as my mother would say just trying to keep body and soul together and that's understandable but the Lord has blessed us in a way and in 2 Corinthians 9.10 this is you'll, you'll recognize this passage if I started up in verse 6 but this I say here is the emphasis again Paul lapel grabber he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Paul tells us that those who are chintzy, well, when you get to heaven, guess what? But those who were gracious and generous when you get to heaven, you're going to receive a different type of reward, approach, and uh, uh, praise from the Lord. He follows that to make sure that someone then says, oh, well then, in order to be richly rewarded, I want to give. No, he says, not. Verse 7, 
So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. You see, the Lord reads what's in our heart. He understands what's there. He knows why we're doing what we're doing. And it has to be gracious. It has to be willing. So let each one give as he purposes in his heart. Not grudgingly or of necessity. Compulsion here. Don't give because, well, I guess I've got to give. You know, got to do it. For, for God loves a gracious giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that you, always having all sufficiency in all things, may have an abundance for every good work. God says, I'm giving you enough so that you can give, that you have everything that you need, but you can give. And then we go on down to verse 10. Now may He, God, who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, supply, or provide, we could say, and multiply your seed. Increase your seed. And here he's talking about giving. He's not talking about, yes, Lord, give me more money or give me more whatever I need. No, he's saying he's blessing you and may he give you even more so you can do what? Well, buy a few more suits. Buy a newer car, more expensive car. Build a bigger house. Buy two houses. Buy three, one down somewhere else. Four big screen TVs. We just don't have one in the basement yet. That's not why he blesses us. And increase the fruits of your righteousness. Fruits of righteousness? You see, that's immaterial. This past year, I may be mistaken, they have an early report, but listening to a financial advisor, the stock market did something like a negative 2%. Well, you don't want to invest in the stock market. You want to put it in metals, precious metals. Gold is down 10, silver's down 12. Oh my gosh. What happened to your spiritual rewards? They increased. Doesn't make any difference if the stock market does. In heaven, your rewards there are growing and growing. So it doesn't make any difference what happens financially down here to you. What really counts is the future. So grace giving. Let me, we're out of time, but let me just quickly run through the rest of these. Witnessing and evangelism. I think it's important for us to realize that we have the responsibility, the requirement to be evangelizing and it's one of the areas where I want to work on this year very soon in our first sessions I'm going to return to evangelism and try to work on uh, what we can do but you have to be more than just a hearer you have to say okay I've learned it now I'm going to really pray about this and I'm going to try to evangelize but we are required to do that we are commanded to do it another area Greater interested missions. You know, having it's important for us as a nation to continue to have an impact throughout the rest of the world. That's one of the reasons that we are protected and preserved as a nation is because of our impact, and we should have an interest. Take an interest in maybe a family, a person. 
and learn more about them. Maybe support them with, with uh, prayer, letters, uh, something. Overcoming a personal spiritual weakness. We all have an area of weakness. We're going to talk about that in the next service. Someplace I need, I need to improve. Being judgmental of others, maybe, is an area. Being jealous of someone. Being envious. Maybe fear. Maybe resentment. A lust. Lust approbation. Pride. Wanting to be somehow gain in fame. Lust fornication. You know, all of these areas. Lust for money. I better not leave it on lust fornication there. Overcoming a weakness. And then finally being obedient to God so that He can work in us to willing to do His good pleasure. And that's Philippians 2.12. These are important areas for us. There's ten of them there. Surely somewhere in there you can find an, an area to improve. And I do encourage you to read your Bible. And I do encourage you to memorize Scripture. And I do encourage you to pray. I think those first three are, are critical in our spiritual lives. But it's not just critical in our spiritual lives. It is critical in the existence of this nation. And so some of you might say, well, pretty worked up this morning. Yes, I am. But it's not just for you. It's for our nation that we need to have concern. And if as goes the believer, so goes the nation. Don't let the nation be going as go you. Be the snag. Be the snare. Be part of that pivot as in Abraham saying to God, well, if there's ten, I'll save it if there's ten. I don't know what the number is for America. But if there's a certain number here, then God's going to preserve us. And by the way, He's going to preserve you anyhow. And if you're an advancing believer, it will be a great year for you no matter what. Maybe not in some of the areas you'd like, but it'll be a great year. Make it a great year. Participate in that great year by stimulating your spiritual life. Let's do it. I'm going to be doing the same. Inspire His in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we're thankful for the Word of God that teaches us that we do have room to improve. If Paul had room to improve, then we do. And we can have an impact. Father, help us to have an impact on this nation by changing our lives, renewing our lives, pushing our lives, spiritual lives forward. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.